So following on from what we've just been sort of praying about, I just uh, I just thought of Hezekiah when uh, God lengthened his life by 15 years. And I just wondered whether it would be worth praying for some mercy, because you never know. So, Lord, I just want to pray, Father, for these all these people we've lifted up this morning, Lord Jesus, who are suffering, Lord, and who are um, suffering from cancer, Lord, and illnesses, Father. And we just pray, Jesus, if it's your will, Lord, that you would uh, lengthen their lives by 15 years, Father, just as you did Hezekiah, because you are the same today, yesterday, and forever, Lord. Father, we just pray, if it's your will, Lord, we're just humbly asking you in a, you know, a little town called Brightlingsea, in a small church, Lord, just humbly coming to you to ask, Lord, please strengthen them and lengthen their lives, Jesus, so that your glory will be manifested. As we prayed, Lord, I think it was a gentleman over here who said that you would be glorified, Lord, and may you be glorified through these illnesses somehow, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. So my last talk was on longing for Christ's return. And... Uh, in many ways, from what we've just heard from people, that's one of the reasons why I want Jesus to return, because life is hard, isn't it? You know? Do you remember when you were like eight years old and life was just really easy and it was just great? And it was just like, what was all the fuss about? And then you sort of get, well, for me, it was in 2010, September 2010, when health issues hit me like a flood and I had seven, a seven-year period of refinement, really, but of just utter pain. And I just thought, my talk today is um, actually sort of centred around this issue of waiting for God, waiting for the test of waiting, waiting for his answers, waiting for his, yeah, waiting for his guidance, waiting for him to intervene in our lives. And as I was saying, in 2010, in September, I just entered a, a phase in my life of just utter pain and hardship. And Haley was alongside with me. And uh, I came out of it sort of 2017, really. It lasted seven 2017, yeah, seven years it lasted of just pain and difficulties and illnesses and doctors couldn't get to the bottom of things and just all sorts of different things, anxieties as well. It was emotional as well as physical. It just, it was just unbelievable. It really was. So let me just open up my notes. So I just want to go into this test of waiting because it seems like many of you are waiting for answers of prayer anyway. I mean, we've just been praying for people and we're waiting for God, and it's such a hard test because it's like, Lord, why can't you just do it now? I just want it done now. You know, Lord, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I be healed? So I want to look at the Bible. I want to look at what God, what God did in the, in the Old Testament saints and some of the new, potentially, and how they waited for God. So my opening scripture is Isaiah 64.4. You don't have to turn there. I'll just sort of read it. But it's one of my favourite scriptures at the moment. And it says this. It says, For since the world began, no ear has heard, and no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for him. And other than the NIV says, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. This is the NLT. So he acts on behalf of those who wait for him. And waiting is one of the tests that God inevitably gives to the people he's going to use. It's just consistent through the Bible. Waiting for him is one of the tests he always seems to <coughs> ordain for us believers at some point in our lives. And he never tells us how long the test is going to last. I mean, when I entered it in 2010, I never knew. I thought this would be just a few months, but he never told me it would just be see, that's actually seven years, Jake. You know, I kind of, I don't think I was ready for it. But I wanted to know, but he doesn't tell you. He doesn't tell us, does he? he doesn't, sometimes he doesn't tell us when the test is going to end, when the hard times are going to end. 
And uh, I just had to hang on, had to hang in there every day. And it was really hard at times. It was really hard. But it's really the making of a Christian in a sense. Because it kind of proves your faith. You know, in that refining period, if you hold out, it kind of says to God, you know, that son, that daughter is really on fire for me. They're really for me. It doesn't matter what happens, they're with me. Just like Job, what he went through. Unbelievable suffering. But he did hold on. He had a few wobbles, but he held on. And the scary thing is he was one of the most righteous men on earth. I mean, the Bible says that he was faultless before God. I mean, he was pretty much as righteous as they come, yet he went through, he was subjected to incredible tests. So I just want to look at a few of the Old Testament saints. So let's, let's think about Abraham. He was promised a son. Isaac, of course, we know, but at the time, we didn't know it was Isaac, but he was promised a son, and then he had to wait 25 years for that promise to come to fruition. In the meantime, we remember Sarah, his wife, tried to do the work for him and said, have a child by Hagar. And of course, that ended in disaster, as we know. And um, that's the counsel of the flesh. You know, God gives you a promise, but someone comes in and says, no, let's do it our way. Not waiting for God, not waiting for God's timing. Later, Hagar, later, she said, get, get, get rid of Hagar and the son and push them away. And of course, we know that now there's even in the Middle East now, there's this battle, isn't there, between Israel and the Palestinians, if you like. And, you know, lots of us, if you're aware of that, you know, when you go back and you trace it back, this is where it all began. You know, it began there and it's just grown. And it's always been, they've always been a thorn in the side of the Israelites. That was a counsel of the flesh because they didn't wait. Well, Abraham waited, but, you know, Sarah just made that. It was a mistake. It was a mistake. But you see... Sometimes I ask myself, what was so special about Abraham? I mean, essentially, I mean, he was called a friend of God, but, you know, why was he called a friend of God, really? I mean, when you think about it, essentially, he was a prosperous cattle farmer. You know, he was just, essentially, that's what he was. He didn't do anything particularly special at the time. But I think one of the ways by which he became a friend of God was by waiting. He waited and even sacrificed or offered his son Isaac on the altar, as we know. And thank God that that didn't. You know, that was a foreshadowing of Jesus, but it was really just one of the one of the tests that God put him through that really enabled him to become a friend of God. He knew Abraham, he knew he would wait, he kept waiting. And then you have Joseph, and there's this beautiful part in the Psalm, Psalm 105. This is a, a unknown sort of scripture because you don't really think of Joseph being in the Psalms too much, but in Psalm 105. Verse, we'll go from verse 17. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and they placed his neck in an iron collar. Someone said the iron came into his soul. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams or the vision God gave him, the Lord tested Joseph's character. He tested him. He did nothing much wrong at all, did he? He was sold in slavery by his, his own brothers. But the Lord tested Joseph's character. You see, Joseph couldn't become the man he became without that testing time in the prison and the betrayal from Potiphar's wife. He had to be tested. God tests us. And Joseph was in prison for, well, I don't know, 12 years maybe? So like 12 years and I can't think of a worse place to be in prison in those times than Egypt. 
because it would have been horrendous. And there was no judge, there was no one, there was no no uh, solicitor to talk to or lawyer. You know, it's just he was just stuck in there. He must have been thinking, Lord, I've got all these promises you've given me that I'm going to be the ruler over my brothers, and I'm sitting in a prison. It's painful. It hurts. Some of you might be in a prison at the moment, in the same, in, in, not in the literal sense, but in a spiritual sense. And God's testing your character. He's testing you to see whether you'll see it through. Of course, we know the end of the story. You know, he, he persevered. Joseph did. He did what he could. I know he was let down by the baker, or was it the butler? It was the baker, wasn't it? He said, "Can you tell Pharaoh about me to remember me?" And the guy completely forgot. <laughs> he spent even more time in prison because of that. But he was tested in the waiting. He had to wait. And then, of course, we all know Romans 8, 28. God, God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And Joseph was called, so God worked it together for his good in the end. But he had to go through that time of waiting on God. Then we just look at Moses. And in, in Numbers, Numbers 12, chapter 12, verse 3, it says Moses was the meekest man on earth. There was nobody as humble as Moses on the whole entire earth. Not one. But how did he become the meekest man on earth? Well, let's think about when he was in Egypt and he had a fight with the, with the Egyptian. He had a fight with some of the Egyptian slaves, didn't he? some of the Egyptians. And he got, he ran away basically. He ran away because he kind of thought, oh, I'm feeling guilty now, I've murdered somebody. And then God said basically, Moses, you're going to have to wait 40 years in the desert. 40 years, I'm 31. So if let's say I get to 40, that means I'll be 80 by the time, you know, God uses me. 40 years. And some of us think, why isn't God using me? Why isn't God coming through? Well, look at Moses, the meekest man on earth, but it took 40 years. When he first left Egypt, he was a very arrogant young man. Very arrogant young man. But when he came back after 40 years, he was changed and he was ready. He had the authority of God because... God won't share his anointing with the arrogant or the proud or the self-assertive. God will only share his power and his anointing with the humble. The scripture says, he who is abased will be humbled and he who is humbled will be abased. Uh, he who is yeah, humbled will be abased. Moses had to be humbled. It took 40 years. Someone said, why did it take God 40 years? And the answer is because it didn't take 39 it's just that simple. It just took 40 years. It took 40 years. But then he was able to do the work of God. And one thing to remember for us as well is that nobody in the Bible exercised such spiritual authority as Moses other than Jesus. Jesus was the only one that exercised greater spiritual authority than Moses. He was, he was the most authoritative person that God used in the whole of the Bible up until the time of obviously our Lord Jesus Christ and God himself. But he became humble. He was humbled by the waiting. And then God was with him. So hopefully you're getting a picture. But I want to go to King David. Again, King David. Amazing promises from God. Selected out of all his brothers. He was a little little weedy one at the time. The weedy little one. But he was selected out to be the king of Israel. And then as he said of himself in the Psalms, I believe, he said, you know, I I was like a dead, dead dog on the mountains running from the man who was success as king. Saul. 
I don't know how long he was running for, but I think it was again about 14 years, something like 14 or 15 years I've got here in my notes, about, about 15 years running away, waiting to become king when he was running the other way, he was running. So many battles, he was one of the greatest warriors of all time, wasn't he? He was an incredible man of, man of, man of warrior, man of valour. But he had to wait 15 odd years, running on the mountains, being taunted, dodging Saul's spears, being thrown at him, you know, and all sorts. He really had to wait. And he had this promise, you're going to be the king of Israel, but it took 15 <laughs> years. So again, if I'm 30, that would mean waiting until I was sort of 45 before anything happens. And it's a long time, isn't it? I thought my seven years was a long time. God makes us wait when he chooses you. He doesn't make you wait at times. And you can't, you can't bypass endurance. As a Christian, we need endurance. We need to be able to endure. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, most of you will know this, he who endures to the end shall be saved. I might have mentioned that scripture last time I was here, actually. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. You know, there's no precedence in the Bible for us to give up. We have to continue on, no matter what life throws at us. And it is hard at times, but... Our character is worth so much more than our physical health. And we need to have a strong character. We need to endure to the end and have God's mercy in our lives. The scripture also says, as we know, that my righteous ones will live by faith. So we need to live by faith, no matter what's coming our way. And just when it seems impossible, I mean, at times when I was going through my sort of testing time, at times it felt I was that close to giving up. I remember my, my pastor's wife, Karen, said, if you, if you see just a pinhole of hope, you know, a tiny little pinhole of hope, she said, just focus on that. Focus on the hope of Jesus, even if it seemed like a pinhole. And I had to focus on that, and I just felt like I was treading water. Well, no, more like I was in a swamp, trying to get to this, this light, the end of this tunnel. But eventually I got there. It took, took seven years, but I got there in the end. I had to have endurance. I really had to endure. And it wasn't until I'd been through that mud and mire that God released me to preach and to share, share the word of God in my church, really. It was really, I had to be prepared. I had to go through that because I was young. I was 22, 23 when it started. And I had to just really be humbled and grow in that painful time. So some of you might be going through painful times now. You might be going through painful times with family, with friends, relationships, with health. But, you know, it doesn't mean just because you might be of a certain age that God isn't, isn't with you in the waiting. He's making you wait, potentially. For greater things. He's making you wait because your character is worth far more than anything else. So just when it seems impossible, I mean some of the prayers we've been praying this morning about these people with cancer and stuff, just when it seems impossible, that's the time to really hold out, really hold out and trust God. Really trust him. Because life is hard, but if we trust God, he'll see us through. Don't give up. Never, never give up, as Winston Churchill said. Never, never, never give up. Never give up this Christian faith. Never give up this Christian life in the waiting. And one of the lessons I learned from waiting as well is that it really causes us to realise our dependence on God, how much we depend on him. We really depend on him. We really need him when we're waiting. Because I tell you this little story, when we were sort of, it's a bit of an American word, but when we were renovating our house, doing it up, as we'd say in England, doing up our house, Haley and I, I know a little bit about DIY, but I'm certainly not an expert. But I do know that where a plug socket is, generally the, 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 the power line runs directly above the plug socket. 
So it normally goes straight up and then across somewhere in the cavities or whatever. So I thought, well, I'm putting speak. We'd just finished the, the lounge pretty much, renovating that and doing everything. The ceiling skimmed the whole lot. It was, it was a lot of work. I thought, well, I'll just put my speakers just to the left of the power cable, you know, because I know the power cable runs up the middle, so I'll go to the left. So I went through the drill, bang, yeah. I hit the power cable. I mean, I just couldn't believe it. I thought, well, I've done it on purpose to stitch me up, surely. Because it's, it's like, you know, that, say that's the plug socket, you know, so I thought, well, it would go up there. It was like, I drilled about here, what up here, and the cable was the, up here. And I was like, well, isn't right. Anyway, and um, all the power goes off. So like, oh no, Haley's cooking at the time. But thankfully, praise the Lord, the kitchen was on a different circuit. So that the kitchen was the the kitchen was the only room that didn't go off. That was the only room. So we were able to still have dinner, but everything the heating went off, everything went off. So we had no it was the winter as well. This was January last year. So it was freezing cold because it was just cold and Excuse me, no lights, nothing on, couldn't charge anything. So I rang my electrician guy, Simon, and I said, Simon, I need... Well, I texted him, actually, because he never picks up his phone. And he, he, he works he works nights, because he, he works for uh, a company, but he also does sort of self-employed stuff on the side. And I said, I need you to come round and help me out, because I've basically turned the electric's gone off. And he said, look, Jake, I'm really busy. I'm not gonna, and this was about five in, the, uh, five in the evening, so I'm not going to be there till half nine. I'm really busy, because he works silly hours, and Haley knows he's, he's crazy. Yeah, obviously there's a bit of a workaholic. Um, so I said, half an hour, I thought, it's cold and everything. So anyway, we had to wait from five o'clock till half nine. And I'll tell you what, one thing I learned was I needed the electrician. I learned that, because I'm sitting there in the dark in the lounge, and I'm one of those people that when something like that goes wrong, I can't get on with other things, I just sit and think about it. And I'm like Googling it, you know, how do I fix it? You know, I can't just leave it. I need to learn that. So I'm sitting there, and it was a long time. It felt like hours. You know, it's getting colder, so on and so forth. So he turns up, and he manages to sort it out a little bit. But he says, look, no, he didn't sort it out, did he? He said, I can't sort it out till tomorrow. So what did he do? Oh, I'll tell you what, we managed to put the... How did we do it? The kitchen was still working. But anyway, I can't remember exactly what happened, but basically he couldn't fix it till the next day. So he went to bed that night. It was cold. He couldn't, you know, no lights. Couldn't charge our phones. So I really realised, you know, I need the electrician. I learned something that day. Waiting caused me to realise my dependence on the electrician. I couldn't do anything. And it's the same when we're waiting for God to intervene in our lives to bring us health or healing or to bring us a relationship issue resolve or to save somebody in our family or to work something out or to bless us with something we need. Sometimes in the waiting, it causes us to think, wow, I really need God. I can't do anything. I need God. Whereas if we just had it all instantly, I wonder if we would ever really be fully mature as a Christian because it would just be almost too easy. Do you know what I mean? It would just be, it would just be too easy really, wouldn't it? It would just be like we'd treat him as a sugar daddy you know, and everything we want he just hands out. But that's not who he is. He's a holy father and he cares about our character and he wants to know if we'll hold out, if we'll endure. As Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. And some of you need to hear that today. He who endures or she who endures to the end shall be saved. So keep going. Just keep, keep going. Even though you might be a, a small church in Brightling Sea, you've got to just keep going because you're worth it. You're definitely worth it. It's a lovely church to be in. It really is. So yeah. It's only going to be a short talk really. 
<laughs> well, I just wanted to share that, but uh, I shared this at my church, but I meant it a bit longer, but there's a few things I haven't included. But I'm just going to pray now anyway. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that in the waiting, you are teaching us something, Father. Lord, as we've just seen from these Old Testament saints, Lord, they had to wait for you, Lord Jesus. They had to wait for you, Father God. They had to wait for you. They had to be humbled, Lord. These are great men of God, but they had to be humble and they had to wait for you, Lord. And Father, if there's anyone here today who is waiting for you to intervene in some way in their life, Jesus, I just pray you to give them the grace to keep waiting and holding on to you. Because we live in a day and age, Father, where we need to be enduring. We need to be steadfast in you because there's so many pressures and tests around us, Lord, and the world is changing so rapidly. You need, you know the ones that need to wait for you, Lord. Help them to wait, Lord, for you. Help them to wait. Lord, as the days are getting darker and darker, help us to wait eagerly for you as well, like my last sermon here was about, to wait eagerly for you because we need you to come back, Jesus. And we're waiting for you to come back, Lord, because total freedom and healing and righteousness will not happen until you return Jesus but as we enter this 2020 year Lord we just help us to wait for you sometimes Lord we get to a, the beginning of a new year and we think this is it all my answers are going to come now and well I've found that when we do that it never actually seems to happen. Sometimes I used to, I used to enter, you know, I'm, I'm not praying now, by the way, you can, you can look back up if you want, but <laughs> I've gone into another part of the sermon now. But I just wanted to share, basically, I remember when it started in 2010, I got to, it started in September 2010, and when it got to New Year 2011, I thought, that's it, this is it. It's a new year, God's going to do, no, it just got worse. And then I got to the end of 2011, and this is it, 2012, it's a new year, God's going to deliver me now, it's, this is it. No, it just got worse again. It just kept getting worse year after year. And, and at one point, it's funny, I was so desperate at the time. Whenever we had a guest preacher come into our church, which was probably once a month or so, I'd always make sure to pray with them because I thought they'd have the answer. They're going to answer it. They're, they're the ones going to have the answer. And I remember one, one guy came a preacher and he prayed with me and, and my birthday was coming up. I told him all the issues that were going on. He said, look, just wait for your, for your birthday. I really feel like this is it. You know, your, your birthday's coming. I blessed him. It doesn't matter, but he just said, you know, just wait. Be a birthday, and I think you know, God will, God will bless you, it'll be okay. God's my birthday, here we go. Nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. But I'm not, I wasn't angry with God, I, well, I was at times, I'll be honest. But the point is, it doesn't always work like that. You know, the test can last years, it really can. Just talk to Vicky, she'll tell you about it. But it, life's hard, and it can last a long time before we see the goodness of God come through. But in that, we're changed. We are changed. And also, when you, feel, when you have been waiting for something for so long, you, you're so much more um, able to withstand Satan and the enemy and the attacks because you're just, you're, just, you're just stronger. You become so strong in the waiting. You become so strong in that waiting period. So, yeah. Yeah. It's hard, but just keep hanging, hanging on for him. You're waiting for a, for a, um, a new minister, aren't you? So again, you know, it's a test, isn't it? Do you fold in and think this isn't going to happen? Or do you keep waiting for the right one? Do you keep praying fervently for the right one? Keep waiting. Keep, keep waiting for God. Keep praying. And the right person will come along, of course. God knows. God knows.
but going to be testing you. How are you going to cope without one? How are you going to get on without one? Who's going to run it? Andy's doing a great job. And, you know, you've got to keep going, keep waiting. So, yeah, Father, we just thank you for this talk, Father. Just pray that anyone here, again, who is, is worried about the future, Lord, this year, Lord, be with us, Lord. Be with us, Lord. No matter what's thrown at us, be with us, Jesus. That's all I can say is be with us. I can't promise anything, Lord. I can't promise that even a minister will come in the next couple of months here, Lord. You know the right time, Lord, and we pray it in in Jesus' name, Father. But we thank you for this church, Lord. We thank you for the blessing that it is to other people, Lord, and to this area, Lord, in Brightening Sea. Thank you that it's a light, Lord Jesus. This is a, a light to the people of Brightening Sea, this church, Lord, full of wonderful people, Lord. And as Andy has asked, Lord, we do pray for, for more men to come in, Lord Jesus, mm-hmm. through these doors. We know that the battle with, is with men, Lord. We pray that you bring them along, Father. You know, Satan loves to try and get hold of the man, Lord. He tries to get hold of the males, Lord, and keeps them out of the church. And we pray you bring them in in Jesus' name. Bring them in, Lord.